McLeod shoots. Not down, a rebound, score! Chandler Stevenson. Rebound goal for the Knights. Chandler with two great looks in that sequence. Nobody is ever satisfied with one. So we're back for a second hour of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Michael shuffling down to the goal line. Carlson dancing out in front. Score! Backhand pass. Carlson to Marcheseau. What a goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Here is Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Getting ready for the return of the Vegas Golden Knights to the regular schedule of the National Hockey League tomorrow night, uh, hooking up with the Edmonton Oilers, and it is a big one as the Golden Knights uh, will try to stop the Edmonton Oilers' uh, winning streak at uh, 16. Uh, If the Oilers win tomorrow night, they will equal the Pittsburgh Penguins from the early 90s for the longest winning streak in NHL history. And so everybody's had this one. Uh, It's funny, when you started... uh, I guess when it got to about 12, that's that's when I started looking ahead to see what was uh, uh, lying in wait uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, whether or not it was going to be an easy ascent uh, to the top or whether they were going to have to navigate some uh, real challengers, uh, some heavy hitters in the National Hockey League. And there, there wasn't a lot uh, of the heavy hitting uh, style. Uh, ahead, but uh, when you look at number 17, the uh, record equaler, uh, that's where you get uh, to the tallest, uh, biggest, uh, baddest of them all, the Stanley Cup champions, and that's where the mm-hmm. uh, the Edmonton Oilers uh, will have to navigate to tie the Pittsburgh Penguins. Seems fitting, though, right? Uh, uh, they you got to get through the champions, or you should have to get through the champions to get to the ultimate goal, and uh, this isn't it, but it uh, is a major piece of uh, National Hockey League history. 17 games in a row is the um, winning streak uh, that stands as the longest in National Hockey League history. Let me ask you guys uh, this right off the bat. Did you Hmm. think, I don't know whether you even knew, did you know that 17 was the longest uh, winning streak in NHL history? And did you think it would be longer uh, when you figured out that that was the established record in the NHL? 17, I, I didn't know that that was the number. I, I feel like I can recall the Penguins kind of going on that run, but I, I couldn't have told you what that number was um, either then or, or now. As, as to whether or not I feel like it should be longer or should it be longer, um, 17 feels about right to me. Like Hockey is such a, a an interesting game in that there are – so many things that kind of factor into a win or a loss. And some of those things can be completely beyond your control. So the fact of the matter is like to be able to go through a stretch of 16, 17 games and and you're, you know, finding ways to win in all of them, uh, that seems incredibly difficult to me. So it it feels about right uh, based on where the game's at right now. Chapman? I only know because I looked it up at the beginning of the year when the Golden Knights were on their win streak to start the season. <laughs> That's the only reason I know. I would not have known otherwise. Like, if the Golden Knights had started, like, 5-5, five and five, I would never have known. So, but I'm with Ryan. 17 seems about right. I mean, it's a lot of games in a row to win um, in any sport, let alone the NHL, which I think is the hardest sport to win in, especially consecutive games. So 17 
it, it actually honestly seems like it's probably a little high. Like I figured maybe 14, 15 would probably be what the record would be. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, an, it's an incredible, very impressive streak. So 17 is the record held by the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Penguins, and that was established uh, in the early 90s, 92-93. Dominating team, Stanley Cup championship team. Uh, do you know who uh, is second in NHL history? Because that happened much more recent. And is let it, me just tell you that is it, it's it's not a team mm-hmm. that would jump off the pages at you as a club that's been in contention for a Stanley Cup. Columbus? Yes. Columbus? Oh, 26-20, 16-17 was was the Mm -hmm. year. Yeah. They won 16 games in a row, which was uh, (laughs) absolutely wild uh, that they they got there. Now, they're they're in a different spot with the organization then uh, than they are right now. But their streak ended uh, with a 5-0 loss to the Washington Capitals. Uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins, their streak ended with a 6-6 overtime loss. Or, sorry, 6-6 overtime tie against the New Jersey Devils. That uh, that ended in a tie. So uh, that, <laughs> I actually put the Pittsburgh Penguins' uh, accomplishment higher regard than, than I do Edmonton's performance right now because you actually had to win those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, yeah. You, there's a winner every night now. Now, Edmonton doesn't necessarily need uh, the shootout or the overtime every night, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. but there there was no uh, shootout back then uh, for for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and they were able to to get by. So uh, interesting that uh, that the uh, 17 games is the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins 17 games in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets uh, have been able to. Uh, win uh, 16 games in a row uh, in the past. And uh, that's where the Edmonton Oilers are right now, being able to get that thing uh, going. So there's only three teams in NHL history that have won Mm. at least 16 games in a row. The Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid, the Pittsburgh Penguins Mm -hmm. with Mara Lemieux, and the Columbus Blue Jackets in 2017. Now, just to, to kind of piggyback off of the the point that you made about the Pittsburgh Penguins and you know winning winning as many games as they did in an era where ties existed you you literally had to win in regulation or overtime or it did not count as a win the Edmonton Oilers their their fourth game into this 16 game win streak was a 3-2 shootout win over the Los Angeles Kings mm-hmm. so just gives you kind of an idea. Now they only have one shootout winner which is, which is in impressive. this streak like, like, in this yeah. stretch, but but yeah. it wouldn't be it wouldn't uh, be they, a streak without without the shootout. Right? No. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. Uh, Columbus uh, with the sixteen in a row that was in the shootout era as well. And uh, so you got Mario, mm-hmm. you've got Connor on the two teams that uh, have done it, and the Columbus Blue Jackets with my buddy Scotty Hartnell. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Some of the names that uh, that were on that Columbus team: uh, Cam Atkinson, Nick Foligno, Sam Gagne, uh, <laughs> Seth Jones, Scotty Hartnell. But a little different than Connor, Leon, Mario, yeah. Yarmer, and and uh, my pal Brick Tockett. So I'm looking looking at this Penguin streak from '92-'93, and it was the final. Mm-hmm. 
uh, 16 out of 17 games during the, the end of the season. Uh, they won 16 of their last 17. They, they obviously tied. That was the last game of the season for them against the New Jersey Devils. They then played the Devils in the playoffs the very ne- the, the first series. They won the next three, dropping game four, and then they polished off the Devils in five games. And then they, believe it or not, did not make it past the conference semifinals. They lost to the New York Islanders that year. Yeah. 1993. So it gives you an idea. Like, it's not not carved in stone. But these streaks do happen. Uh, you're If you got the best players in the world, it's a pretty good chance that you're going to have something happen. But uh, I think what, what people do say over and over, uh, the most consistent comment regarding this winning streak that the Oilers have right now is that they're not breaking a record held by the glory years of the Oilers, uh, held by mm-hmm. Wayne Gretzky or Yari or, or Paul Coffey. Now, Paul Coffey's an assistant coach with this, so he's got uh, he's got a share in it. Uh, but I loved what Rick Tockett said in the weekend at the All-Star game because he was part of that Pittsburgh Penguins uh, team that, that won the 17 games in a row. He said, I, I hope they don't want – I hope they don't break it. I don't want them to break it. I like having that record. People <laughs> that say that, uh, that they want uh, – it's good uh, records are made to be broken, uh, throw that out the window. I don't want them to to break mm-hmm. it, so I think that's uh, that's cool uh, when it comes to uh, the uh, the inner warrior combatant, the intensity uh, of Rick Tockett. So we've got Edmonton against Vegas tomorrow night, uh, with uh, Edmonton going for a 17th straight victory uh, against uh, a team that uh, bounced them in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year in the uh, the Vegas School tonight. So let's bring in Bruce Cassidy and his media availability from earlier today where there was a lot of conversation about the Oilers and this run that they're on. Bruce, you talked about breaking up the season in a different section. You lost in ten games, but how do you view and what do you hope to get out of the stretch from the return to the All-Star break to the trade deadline? Well, I, I lump it probably three different parts of the year. I think the first part, I think everyone's trying to create their identity. Uh, what are they going to be? What are they going to look like? So let's say that's a 25-game segment. Then the middle part, I think there's a lot of stuff going on. Injuries happen. Probably an experimentation phase. You're trying to figure out where guys fit. We were lucky this year. We had a lot of the same guys back, so we kind of knew. But then we went through the injuries, so we have to sort through some of that. Then the last phase is usually now you come out of the break and it's probably um, solidifying your game. And and I find the better teams start separating themselves because they can do that. They have their game in order and they just get better at it. So they're building for April and May. So I'm hoping we're in that phase now. We're still trickling some guys into the lineup as we go here. But um, so that's how I'd like to do from now to the all-star break right to April. You know, and you hope if you're in a good enough position the last few days in April, you're not sweating it out to the end. It's something to play for probably, but you're not. You're in a pretty good spot, you feel like, um, if you don't get some breaks and lose some games. So that's kind of we're in the stretch now. We're at 50. So, yeah, for the next probably 25, 30 games, that's our, our goal for our team. Let's button up and not let's not give points away anymore because you played mismanaged pucks, things that you can easily correct. If the other team's better than you, they're better than you. But, you know, don't give away points that you look back on that were – you beat yourself, basically. So that's kind of the mode I, I hope our team's in. And it requires a little more focus, and 
uh, a little more attention to detail. You got a company in here on a 16 day wait streak. I just want to inform you a couple things. First, what's the longest streak you've kind of been a part of, and kind of what's the mentality? When you're just stacking up things like that, you guys kind of went on. So we had one at the start. So I'll go with recent history. Last year, I think we we started well too, but I don't, you know, we, I don't know if there was ten in a row or whatever it was. It wasn't sixteen. I know that because they would have said it might have been a record. <laughs> so, what's going through your mind is usually as a coach, how are we winning? Are we doing it the right way uh, or not? Are we getting lucky? Are we playing half a game? Are we playing three quarters of a game? Uh, so there's a little bit of that for a coach. You want to make sure it's not. Um, you know, smoke and mirrors that you can sustain it. So that's what you're always looking for. I thought the start of the year this year, we played 30 to 40 minutes and we're able to pull it off for whatever reason. We're getting timely goals, timely saves. I don't think any team's really hitting the ground run at the start of the year where they're 100% on their game. So it was a little bit of that. We were good enough in spots, found ways to win because we're a good team and our players would step up. And then it caught up to us. Uh, we started losing some games and actually played a little better some nights, but because of what happened earlier, so that the law of averages, I guess. I always found that towards the end of a streak, good or bad, you can almost tell when it's gonna end because you're really getting lucky. If you're on a winning streak, if you're on a losing streak, it's almost the opposite. You're out playing the team and you lose three to two because the other guy stopped 50 shots and you hit three posts, and but you know you're coming out of it. That's the way I've always looked at streaks. and. Um, that's what happened to us. I thought we weren't playing as well as we should be, and at the end it showed, and teams you know, caught us. Is there motivation to end this for you guys? Well, there's motivation to beat Edmonton, because eh, they're in our division. We'd like to stay ahead of them. We'd like to you know, keep accumulating points. So I'd say it's more about that. I don't think anybody's going to care five years from now if we ended a, a chance to break a record. I think Edmonton and, and Pittsburgh, in this case, probably care the most. You know, So for us, it's... It's less about that and probably just more we want to beat a good hockey team. And there's certain games during the year that you can you use as measuring sticks or statements, whatever you, you use the adjective. And usually the division rival, which I think we're becoming with Edmonton, um, you know, is going to be one of those games. For us, it's Colorado, a little bit of Dallas because we've started to play, play them in the playoffs. Vancouver, no, because they weren't there with us, but that could become one. But uh, I think it was San Jose years ago for Vegas before I got here, but you know now that's kind of dissipated. It's always interesting for us because in media we got to talk about the street, and all the fans are talking about the street, and none of the Oilers players and none of your players are talking about the street. It's like it only exists outside the dressing rooms. Would you, would your players quietly love to knock a rival off of one of these things? I think, as I said, they just want to beat them. Uh, there was a bit of there, there was bad blood last year, so I don't know that if they came in here on a two-game streak. I think we'd have the same approach. I really do, because they're not concerned. As I said about the streaks, it has nothing to do with us. I would think Edmonton. I'd be surprised. They don't want to talk about it, probably because it becomes a bit of a let's let's taboo thing if you do. Maybe I like talking about a shutout in the third period for a goalie. So maybe they're just like, well, we don't want to talk about it. But I got a feeling they. Why wouldn't they? You should enjoy it. I mean, it might set a record. I mean. It's not a record that you're going to sit there and, and, and say, well, this is the greatest of all time. It's a record. So, and you're part of that. So you should feel pride in it. I would if I was in that locker room. Um, so deep down, I feel like they want to do it uh, more than just get the two points because it's really hard to do. There's a reason it's a record, right? No one else has done it. So that would be my guess over there, but I'm not in that locker room. But our guys, I don't, I bet there's some guys that didn't even know. I bet that, you know, that, that's how players are a little bit. They're in their own world a little bit in season they know who's 
doing well and who's not, but they might not know the exact details of every team and where they're at and uh, those type of things. When you have a, a dressing room full of guys that are just getting off the plane from the capital, you've been coaching a long time. Do you know what you're going to get in the first game back? Uh, I feel we'll get a good effort. I think our guys needed this break. We were running on fumes at the end, uh, finished on the road, two back-to-backs. I think it was our, it showed in Detroit. We didn't play, play great. We had to really push in New York to, to get points. So for us, I think they'll be refreshed. Long year last year, short summer. So this break probably meant more to us and, and maybe Florida or, you know, whatever teams that played a little longer that are going through injuries means a little more. Edmonton probably, my guess is, would have rather just kept right on going, right, when you're winning and they're healthy. So two different teams in two different places. But I believe to answer your question, our guys, we had good energy yesterday. I think it's a tight-knit group. So they're, even though some of them went away with each other, some didn't. They're happy to see each other, be around each other, start start with the chirping again. Um, and so that part of it is, has been good energy. And I, I think we'll be we'll play fine tomorrow. We're going to have to be better and fine. But I, it, to answer your question, I, I'm not – I don't see us laying an egg tomorrow because we've been off. Uh, I think our effort will be there whether we execute well enough. I mean, that depends on a lot of different things, right? Yeah, Hill came back last trip. Amadio came back. Um, Carlson's skating. We anticipate he'll play. That'll be a decision made tomorrow. Um, but nobody else coming in. But there are other guys that are back skating on their own. So that's a positive steps what their timeline is I don't know yet no we're going to play the 6d we ended with um, is our plan for tomorrow which is Korzak basically in Theodore's spot uh, can I get your opinion on just uh, you know, going back to the Olympics and how important it is for some of those guys and you know they've missed two and some of those guys have been really pushing they want to play the best on the best I imagine the same thing in your group just a thought on yes I think every player, I would say 99.9, would want to represent their, I'd say 100. I mean, who doesn't want to represent their country? Unless they've been there before and had a really poor experience, maybe, or something to that effect. But, uh, you know, they're, 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 they have a lot of pride, every guy in this league, and they'd want to do it, um, would be my thought. I know as a coach, I've never, you know, I, I was going to be on Team Canada's coaching staff, and I was really disappointed. And I'm just, a, you know, I'm not playing. They're playing. So I can imagine the disappointment they had. So I think everyone's probably in the same boat there, especially the guys that miss because now they're aging out a little bit of the selection process. Um, those are the guys I feel for because they might have missed an opportunity. I guess they'll see when, when who gets who and uh, who gets picked uh, down the road. Yeah, you know what? That, that, that is different than the Olympics, but I think the guys will enjoy it. It's different. Um, but if you're doing both teams every two years, like, say, McDavid, who's still younger, the younger guys, Makar and those, you know, that might do it five or six every second year, they might have a different opinion on that. Um, so I don't know on that one, but it's good for hockey. Everyone wants to see best on best. Um, I think the World Cups have generated as much attention as the Olympics, sometimes more because of the time they're on even. Like I know the, the one, the U.S. one in Montreal, was in Montreal, they beat Canada, um, the American team. Like that was, a, that was one of those, right? It was, you know, so and that, people still talk about that. So um, and it wasn't an Olympics. So sometimes they're almost more viewed because 
just because of the timing where they're played. <clears throat> There's Bruce Cassidy uh, discussing, among other things at the end, the inclusion of the National Hockey League in the Olympics. But uh, that's a great point. Uh, that's uh, made through the Q&A uh, that there's a Four Nations Cup next winter, and that mm -hmm. will take place during what is normally the All-Star break or the bye week, and then you'll have the Olympics in 26, and then a, hopefully a World Cup uh, in the year after in 27. So next year is Four Nations, Sweden, Finland, Canada, the United States, then the Olympics, best on best, uh, uh, and if uh, if we can somehow uh, globally uh, navigate uh, what's happening in Ukraine, then uh, then uh, they can uh, get Russia involved. Uh, but that's for people uh, much uh, more involved than, than I am. Uh, but uh, no guarantee that Russia will take part in the Olympics or represent Russia uh, in the Olympics. But uh, a World Cup is uh, very similar to uh, what we're going to have, uh, and that uh, that will take place in, I think I said 27, that'll take place in 28. It'll go every two years. Uh, but mm. you're not going to, like, the All-Star game that we saw this past weekend, that's not going to happen yep. for a couple of years. Because next year right. is the Four Nations, and the year after that uh, is the is the Olympics in uh, in Italy. So uh, it's going to be a, a little bit of a different uh, mid-season situation uh, with, the, with the break. Uh, now, next year... You're going to have a lot of players that are still taking part uh, in in the bye week. Um, Vegas didn't have any in Toronto, uh, which uh, mm. I think is going to really help out uh, the uh, energy level uh, coming back. Not that anybody's taxed uh, at an all-star weekend, but it just gave everybody on the Vegas side a chance to uh, uh, just uh, recharge the battery, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see how much of a benefit that is. But next year, uh, if you're talking Sweden, Finland, Canada, the United States, there's a, a lot more uh, VGK commitments uh, that will be made to to that tournament, and then going forward to the Olympics. And uh, some players are will be aging out of that window of, mm -hmm. of an Olympics. Uh, some others will be coming into uh, that window. But uh, you look at the, the Golden Knights side of it right now, and Aiden Hill uh, is yep. considered in the mix for Team Canada when it comes to uh, its goaltending because there's, there's a void right now when it comes. There's no number one locked in, he's going to be on the team, goaltender for Team Canada. Uh, Aiden Hill... Mm -hmm is in that mix uh, right now and would be presumed to be one of the three goaltenders uh, based on his track record over the last year and a half. Uh, on the blue line, uh, Petrangelo would still be part of uh, that mix, uh, an Olympic champion uh, in the past. Uh, you uh, can examine the, somebody like uh, Shea Theodore. Would he be uh, mm -hmm. in the mix? Absolutely uh, be in uh, consideration. And up uh, on the... Uh, uh, on the forward side, then you've you've opened it up to a bunch of different uh, nations next year. Uh, Sweden, William Carlson, uh, mm -hmm. the United States, uh, and and Jack Eichel, and Team Canada, uh, yep. the likes of of Mark Stone. So uh, they'll they'll be a large presence uh, for uh, the Vegas Golden Knights to be included in the, in the Four Nations Cup next year. And I'm sure the federations will take their lead off what they see and different uh, combinations uh, that uh, that go into that uh, uh, unofficial best on best because it, it's 
great to have the four teams, but you don't have uh, some of the other nations that are, are pretty influential in, in the world of hockey, and there's just there's not enough time to be able to, to bring it all together right now. So uh, I like what they're doing uh, at, at this point, just to mm-hmm. whet our appetite next year. And from the Vegas Golden Knights, I think it's going to be fun to watch uh, internally just to see uh, what kind of presence is going to be on that team's. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to be the the thing for us between now and then is, you know, looking at who starts the year off really well for the Vegas Golden Knights. For Aiden Hill, if he continues to kind of put together the resume that he's been able to put together over the last season plus with the Vegas Golden Knights, if he is is healthy, then, you know, I I think that all of a sudden that that conversation grows exorbitantly and then you know you look at Shea Theodore I think that he is absolutely a guy uh, that that belongs on on that Team Canada roster and you know it'll be interesting to see how that goes but it's a it's an appetizer right like it is it is an opportunity to whet our appetite for what's to come with the Olympics with the World Cup of Hockey and best on best hockey uh, returning and and I couldn't be more excited I like that is an aspect that I've been wanting to see that I've been craving and I'm just so excited that we're right there uh, to finally get it back it was uh, funny to hear Bruce talk about the the World Cup and sometimes it can be as memorable as Olympics. And there's mm-hmm. there's been certain, like the NHL was back in the Olympic uh, rotation for a while. And uh, and it was great to see. Uh, 2002 uh, uh, was was awesome from a Canadian perspective. And 1998 was the first time coming back, and that was Dominic Hasek absolutely stealing the show and uh, ripping the hearts mm-hmm. out, uh, out of uh, Canadians in particular uh, because uh, Wayne Gretzky <laughs> was on that team and didn't get to shoot in the in the shootout, and that will be the infamy, uh, the byline on uh, on Mark Crawford's uh, resume forever. How was Wayne Gretzky not part of that shootout? Uh, in, in 2006, uh, Sweden uh, won a remarkable uh, championship uh, behind Henrik Lundqvist, and 2010 was the golden goal uh, with Sidney Crosby. 14 is kind of like a lost year because Canada was just so much better than everybody else. Like there wasn't a, like a marquee moment uh, with that or something that you'd say, boy, that uh, that was a defining uh, pivotal play or game or result. Uh, it was just uh, they were they were much better uh, than ever. Petrangelo was so was part of that uh, that Team Canada uh, group. And then after uh, 14, we haven't seen. Uh, the National Hockey League uh, part of it, but the, before the before the Olympics inclusion, it was the uh, the World Cups or or Canada Cup before that, and uh, uh, what the United States did in in 1996, and Bruce mentioned it, uh, the United States beating Team Canada uh, in in Montreal to win the World Cup, and uh, that was that uh, that golden age, as much as 1980 is is the beautiful wonderful movie moment uh upsetting the soviet union uh the the 96 tournament was a coming of age of of american hockey at least on the professional uh level uh Mm -hmm. with the likes of uh of brian leach and keith kachuk and mike richter uh uh, mike medano uh that uh, that this group of uh of american players who not only competed with team canada but beat Team Canada uh, with with Wayne Gretzky and and uh, and company uh, and and being able to to take that. So that that wasn't Olympics, but that was as important uh, from a hockey perspective, not globally, 
1980 will still stand out alone. But from a pure hockey standpoint, uh, I put 96 and the American victory as as uh, important from growing the game uh, as as I do 1980. Yeah, that, that I mean, I'm I'm with you there. I think you know, again, anytime you have an opportunity to get more best on best hockey going outside of just every four years at the Olympics. I think that it, uh, you know, it kind of moves the game in the right direction. And the fact that you, you know, we're, we're kind of on the cusp right now of getting it every two years, I think is incredibly exciting because, you know, I, I want to see the likes of Connor McDavid in, in those settings. I want to see, yeah, you know, the, the, the best players in the world playing for their country. And, you know, I, I, I still remember certain aspects of, of, you know, the, the golden goal for Sidney Crosby or, or TJ Oshie and his, you know, shootout heroics. Like there are, there are moments that you remember from the Olympics, from the world cup, um, that, that kind of redefine hockey for you as you're growing up in your formative years. Uh, and it's, it's been too long since we've had that. Well, you think, uh, Petrangelo won at 14 and they're, they're going back in 2026. That's 12 years between Olympic appearances, mm-hmm. if if he can work his way into that. And, and Mark Stone uh, talking about how he'll be uh, into his uh, in the 30s now, uh, uh, pushing that uh, that age bracket of you, you're, you're fighting to stay inside that, uh, that window uh, with all the kids that are coming. And I, I do think that there's – I would, I would think Mark would be part of next year's team – and uh, then what mm-hmm. you do and, and how you perform and uh, there's uh, keeping it going because uh, you get uh, what uh, two seasons uh, basically two full seasons if you if you take it from right now to then uh, before you get going that's a, that's a lot of time uh, when you're talking about uh, the players in the National Hockey League and uh, other players pushing from behind and uh, just think Connor Bedard will be. Uh, two full years in the in National Hockey League and what he'll be able to do. So uh, I think uh, the, the teams will look different uh, between next year and, and the year after, between the, the Four Nations Cup and, and the Olympics. But uh, I do anticipate a, a, a fun, uh, real presence from, from the Golden Knights. One, if, on the fate Four Nations Cup thing, one thing I do hope they do, mm-hmm. and this is just a little, mm-hmm. little fashion uh suggestion everybody's okay. going to have wear their federation uh, sweater so jack eichel be mm-hmm. team usa and uh mark stone be team canada but I, but i hope that on the shoulder of of every player uh, will be their their club team uh a patch that that will be if it's team usa it'll be red white and blue uh for jack eichel with a vgk logo there uh and and team canada i think that would be a nice touch uh, to 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 link the two uh, together because the National Hockey League obviously is uh, shutting down its season, making that available, and uh, I think that would be a, a cool little touch uh, by by the uh, National Hockey League and the NHL Players Association to include that. So I'm not uh, I'm not saying it uh, will happen, but it'd be a, a pretty cool little just uh, uh, signage to be able to to link the the couple of uh, events together. Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, I. I feel like that's probably the direction it'll go, um, but I will. It'll be fun to see if if that uh, fashion tip from Darren Millard makes mm-hmm. its way to the to the Four Nations uh, next year. I, uh, I Gary Franzen is my guy, uh, my suit uh, supplier, uh, who 
I do all my work with uh, when it comes to fashion, and he is unbelievable when it comes to uh, putting the combinations together. So uh, I don't want to, uh, by any means, uh, step outside my boundaries, but that's one little part of it that I think that uh, <laughs> would be cool. Uh, let's uh, take a break. Uh, when we come back, we've got uh, a pair of tickets to give away for the Golden Knights against Carolina. And one-timers, news notes from around the National Hockey League, will blow through a, a long list of uh, of events that have happened since we last talked to you. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. one-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Play a little catch-up on what's happened while we've been away and just to offer our little opinions on uh, and reaction to a couple of things. Uh, let's start with the trades that uh, took place. Uh, Lindholm uh, goes to Vancouver. No surprise there. Canucks have been uh, poking around this for a long time. Much uh, anticipated that uh, he would end up with the Vancouver Canucks. Gives them a little bit of uh, more depth and uh, versatility from the center ice position. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Vancouver Canucks. This is a a team that sits atop the Pacific Division that feels like they have an opportunity to kind of go for it this season. So you you bring in a little bit more depth. You bring in a player that's you know really solid down the middle in Elias Lindholm, and it makes a lot of sense to to me couple of Elias uh, going on uh, in Vancouver now so he didn't see that coming at the at the start of the year where you can Elias so who uh, so you got uh, Petey and you got uh, Lindy uh, those are the nicknames uh, on that front uh, one thing uh, to watch with this Vancouver is having an historic season when it comes to shooting percentage they their number mm-hmm. is absolutely off the charts uh, it, it would be one of those things where if you're running uh, different uh, analytics uh, through the computer, it would go, okay, that, that's a, like a, kind of a red flag. Why is that so high? Uh, that, that's where they are right now. Uh, just uh, so much higher than uh, what we've seen over the last uh, two decades in the National Hockey League. But Lindholm is uh, the opposite. His uh, scoring uh, mm-hmm. shooting percentage is one of the lowest in the National Hockey League, uh, right near when it comes to number of shots and number of games. So if he suddenly gets hot, we know there's something in the water mm-hmm. uh, in and around Vancouver, which is uh, obviously uh, on the water. Uh, we have uh, also want to keep an uh, eye on uh, what the Winnipeg Jets have done with Sean Monaghan coming in. Uh, that's another mm-hmm. uh, spot that will give the opportunity to tweak their top six, uh, will help out their power play, which is might be one of the places where he makes the biggest impact, uh, but gives them some versatility options. Yeah, and, you know, plays the game the right way, heart and soul type of, of player in Sean Monaghan and, and certainly um, can do some really good things for the Winnipeg Jets. You, you mentioned you know, maybe with some work on the power play, but overall it's more depth for a team in Winnipeg that is kind of building themselves to be a team that is very deep. And, you know, when you can kind of double down on that, uh, it gives you a better opportunity as you go down the stretch to, to kind of lean into that and, and use that to your advantage in the postseason. Resurrected his career uh, playing in Montreal this year. Zach Parisi signed on with the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, talked to a couple of people in around the league uh, last week when that was uh, happening. And there's uh, there's a lot of real appreciation for what they did. Uh, Monaghan 
and Lindholm uh, were were in the works. But uh, one coach in the league, uh, current coach in the league, told me that uh, the Parisi one uh, is the most impressive and could be the most impactful of them all. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think Zach Parise with the Colorado Avalanche is uh, an incredibly, incredibly solid signing. Obviously, for Parise, it makes a lot of sense, right? You're you're trying to win a Stanley Cup. It's the one thing you haven't done in this league is is to win it all. And you know, I, I don't know that they're outside of Vegas and Edmonton and you know maybe a couple of teams in the East. Like I don't know that there are many other avenues beyond the Colorado Avalanche to give you a really good chance to do that. Uh, we're talking about a guy at 38 years old who scored 21 goals last year for the Islanders. Like He hasn't had the wear and tear from the early part of this season, so how long is it going to take him to get up to speed? We'll see, uh, but I do think it's it's a really, really shrewd opportunity for Zach Parise and a good signing by the Colorado Avalanche. He's been working at uh, knowing that it was going to be a half season, uh, uh, two-thirds mm. or a third of a season. Uh, it was all uh, right there. Uh, that was the plan going in. It wasn't like he was uh, skating around waiting, hoping for a chance. It, it, there was some uh, discussions that, that it would go down exactly like this. Um, Los Angeles makes a change at coach with Todd McClellan going uh, out and Jim Hiller coming in. We saw the struggles and the exasperation on Todd's face and the words that he was offering. Mm -hmm. I'm more surprised that they went with Hiller uh, as the replacement. Yeah, I I am just surprised that Todd McClellan was let go. Like, listen, I understand that the Kings were in, in a spiral for sure, but I just think that there's been a lot that Todd has done well for LA, and I, I just felt like maybe he deserved a little bit more time but at the same at the same time here like you got to find a way to get these players moving in the right direction and you know is you heard strong words from Todd McClellan you as you mentioned already on the show there were some pretty pointed criticisms from Drew Doughty um, calling most nights cookie nights for guys and you know I I think just kind of getting a maybe a different voice in there or or a you know, a, a new face, maybe that helps this team kind of rediscover what they had at the beginning of the year. We'll see if it uh, transpires into a turnaround uh, for the Los Angeles Kings. They got a home game against Edmonton on the weekend, and then they go on mm -hmm. the road for a while. So uh, they, they got to yeah. plug this thing uh, right now, or they, right, they're they okay when it comes to a playoff spot right now, but they They've been passed by Edmonton. We'll see uh, whether or not they can get it back on, on the rails. Uh, the the idea that Edmonton didn't lose in January and L.A. only won three ranked games, that uh, makes you, you look at uh, things and go, we we got to do something. Uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov has mm -hmm. uh, entered the player system program. Uh, he was not a practice yesterday when the players reported uh, coming off the bye week in the All-Star break uh, with the Washington Capitals, six schools this year. And, uh, and hasn't played up to uh, his potential or expectations this year. So uh, I wish him the best of luck. Uh, Jack Hughes could return to the Devils this week. 
Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, there's a team that has to get going in the right direction uh, fast. Mark Shifley, along with uh, Sean Monahan coming in. Uh, Shifley could return for the Jets tomorrow. And one more uh, piece of uh, news. Uh, Lanny McDonald, recovering from a cardiac event yesterday, coming home from the NHL All-Star Weekend, the Hall of Famer, uh, won a Stanley Cup with the, the Calgary Flames, uh, was just a... An incredible personality with the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, earlier in his career, uh, the head of the Hall of Fame uh, and the uh, the group that uh, puts people uh, and uh, the Hall of Fame committee uh, into the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, wishing him the best of luck and Olani really well, and uh, and he's an amazing human being. So uh, the two nurses just happened to be at the airport uh, yesterday and were able to uh, stabilize hmm. him. He's in hospital and he's talking about football again, which is uh, good from. Uh, Lanny's perspective. So uh, there you go. Uh, loving uh, all of the uh, thoughts and uh, prayers going out to Lanny. And happy birthday to Grapes. Don Cherry, 90 years old uh, today. So uh, one of the, uh, the greatest personalities in uh, National Hockey League history. Let's uh, give away some tickets. A couple of to give away to the Carolina Hurricanes and the Vegas Golden Knights on the 17th. Uh, be caller number 6 to 702-876-1340. Uh, we'll come back with Catching Up with Chapman next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. Oh, Christopher. Yeah, hi, guys. It's been a while since we, we've had this segment, over two weeks. But uh, so I got something that maybe hopefully is right up your alley for both of you guys because you guys may, might be a little more experienced in this than me. But I got invited to a wedding. One of my very good friends, uh, she told me over the weekend that she's going to be getting married in October. And she's from Nebraska, but they're getting married on a farm. And that... They're going to have, like, the reception in a barn, and there's a pumpkin patch and all sorts of cool farmy things. So I decided I'm nice. I'm going to get a pair of cowboy boots for the wedding. But okay. I've never yeah. bought a pair of cowboy boots. I've never owned a pair of cowboy boots. In fact, I don't even think I've ever worn a pair. of. My dad used to have a pair, but he I was so little that they were, like, massive on me. But one thing is I don't want to be a poser by oh, buying a pair of cowboy boots and having... <laughs> Zero, like, experience wearing cowboy boots. And the other thing is, I don't know what goes into buying a good pair of cowboy boots. I was looking on Mercury. I'm going to look for, like, a used pair because I feel like maybe I could. I didn't realize. They're expensive. Cowboy boots are expensive. No, 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 yeah, I got mine at Boot Barn. They're awesome. Well, yeah, but you also make what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean year? by well, no, no, no? Hold on, Chapman. What do you mean by Chapman esque? Maybe like, like colorful. Yes, colorful. Maybe ostrich skin or something okay. like that. You know, something something okay. that would that would yeah, definitely boot, fit Chapman. Boot Barn will hook you up with that for sure. Yeah, hundred okay. percent. Are you looking for something yeah. that would match your attire that you wore on the road trip in New Jersey? New York. Oh, you heard. You heard about that. I, I, I didn't hear. I got text messages of photos <laughs> of you from like 14 different people. Really? They Yes. That really? Well, you know what? The, the, the story behind that is I don't own winter clothes. So. No, it wasn't just your clothes. The, the only good thing, uh, I'll be honest, the satchel. 
That was nice. Oh, I've had that for years. Yeah, my the wife bought that it, for me. The rest of it was bizarre. Like what? Toque, jacket, <laughs> uh, yeah. slippers. Slippers? Slippers. Look no. like you're wearing slippers. No, they're not slippers. No. Well, they're that was the shoes. word that was yeah. being thrown around. No, no, no slippers. I'll, I'll, I'll send out a pair or a tweet with the picture. They're definitely not slippers. I've got enough pictures. I, I, but I, So Nick Waugh was talking smack about my Jets toque. He said, you know what he said to me? He goes, you got a lot of courage wearing that around. I'm like, I'm in New Jersey. This is where the Jets play. I'm safe. I didn't even notice it was Jets toque. The rest of it was overwhelming. <laughs>